from grain to glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, hey, you didn't cut me off that time. I really like that. Well, did I, do I usually? No, no, you just, just did last, last time. time. Last, last, week. <laughs> last week. Last week. I mean, 20 minutes ago. I mean, what? What? <laughs> what? All right, before we get to deep here, uh, I want to give a shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. Uh, Join the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the furrow link above our homepage and join today. Also, going to give a shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson and Devin Stinson. If you'd like to become as awesome as those guys, head over to patreon.com slash blind studios and become a patron today. And if you're going to do any shopping at Amazon and you know you are because Bezos owns you, oh, head on over to blindestudios.com, click on the Amazon link above the homepage, and stick it to him by ordering <laughs> things through our link. And then we get money from out of his pocket because he has enough. He bought a spaceship, guys. Not just a spaceship, a spaceship company. That's enough money. So give some money to us. Um, all right, Brian. <laughs> Jesus. He's not here anymore. We have Bezos. Uh, <laughs> what have you been up to beer-related lately, man? Uh, uh, we've been making some uh, kettle sours. At the brewery. Dude, I was supposed to try yours the other day, and I forgot to Scare- remind you. Scaredy pie? Yeah. Yeah. Kettle sours, man. They've been working out really well. Uh, right. They can get hairy unless you throw a blanket of CO2 on top of them. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And then I'd- you got to figure out a way to um, the brew kettle at the... Hello, Andy. Uh, the... Uh, Brew kettle. I don't know. I just got a message that from Facebook that he oh. said, "Good evening, gents." I don't know if I go that far, Andy. <laughs> gents, gents. <laughs> uh, in any case, um, yeah, there's a stack on the brew kettle that goes up to the air outside, and um, you need to figure out a way to block that so that you don't get oxygen into the kettle because the lactic pitch. Which we don't actually use a lactic pitch. We just I literally take a we take a pint glass of um, and this is again at in between fifteen and eighteen barrels, eighteen nineteen barrels is kind of what we're working with, and we just whip a pint glass of acid malt from Wireman in, and then some yogurt culture, and that gets us there. And the key here is to getting it down. I don't know. We like to usually like to have it around three point four. Because uh, we'll add lactose uh, or vanilla um, to uh, kind of back sweeten it a little bit. Yeah, and I mean vanilla almost doesn't really sweeten it. It's like the malt kind of. It's a perceptive sweetness though with the vanilla, right? Exactly. Uh, so in this one in particular, this uh, key lime pie kettle sour that we did, we didn't 
use any vanilla. We just used the lactose for sweetness. Okay. And then a an actual lemon zest, which is a real pain when you're sticking it in a mesh bag and you're doing it on that big of a scale. Like it gets it expands a ton. Did you were you able to buy the lemon zest or did you have to zest a bunch of lemons? No, we bought the lemon zest okay. and it was some of the best commercial commercially produced lemon zest that I've ever encountered. It was from um you can get it from Malt Works. Oh interesting. Uh, yeah. And then uh the 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 thing I warned the brewers about was uh, it's going to expand and it's going to get real heavy um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and uh, getting it out of the dry hop hole was a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> um, and then they were using they they got out a roll of fishing line, and I was like, I don't think that's <laughs> no, no. It's fine. It's fifty pound test. We're going to be okay. <laughs> So I like for them to learn things, and I like for our, us to have a collaborative environment, and uh, it ended up working out. So that's all that really matters. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah. So cool. the the beer is out. It is in kegs. It is in cans, and it will be in all of our different distribution markets soon. What yeah. about to you? Um, well, so uh, if you're looking on how to do a uh, like a sour like that. I guess it's not quite kettle, uh, but listen to our uh, Every Style Challenge episode where we did the uh, Berliner because um, that was fun. Uh, but what I did was because I didn't want to leave my kettle uh, filled with beer because I had to brew another beer. Um, I took it and I dumped it into a bucket and wrapped brew belts around it covered it and yeah. then like left it in the sun that works great yep mm-hmm. uh so i kettle soured in a fermenter so i don't know if that counts or not it but, does uh yeah so well, listen to that episode and listen to rick and i try to figure out how we were going to accomplish the thing <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah no uh brew related lately um i'm actually brewing again it's been a while. Whoa. Yeah, I don't like to admit that. Um, so I'm brewing. Well, I admit that you haven't been for a while? Yeah. Dude, it's okay. Is, is it, though? Is it? I mean, I do a homebrew podcast, and I haven't brewed in a hot minute. I haven't brewed a beer in... Shh. You're the head... You're you're not the head... But you're the owner of a brewery. It's a whole thing. <laughs> brewed in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I think about it a lot, right? <laughs> um, so I am brewing a pale ale. Uh, very simple, like I don't know, I don't know what it's been, but lately I've been like drawn back to the West Coast, like pale ales of my Ute, uh, where you know just big piney, like sea hop flavors sure. and. Not a ton of malt backbone, right? Yeah, I would take a bottle of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale over pretty much any beer, except yeah. for this Modelo that I'm drinking. I mean, well, that's because that's the house beer, and you're it is uh, you're you're legally required to drink it. Touche. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that sponsorship from Modelo. <laughs> I'll keep dreaming. I'll keep drinking instead. Fair. All right. Uh, so here, here, here's what I'm thinking. Um, 60% uh, two row, right? Breeze. And then 40% golden promise because I love that golden promise flavor. Uh, and then 
just Falconer's Flight Seven Cs throughout the entire thing. Yeah. yeah. Very simple. Uh, then done. Uh, then just some American Ale uh, from Y East Ten Fifty Six. You said forty percent Golden Promise. Yep. Humor me and and throw ten percent of that forty golden naked oat. Oh, I would already order the ingredients. Damn it! <laughs> Unless you All have right. golden naked oat at the brewery, I I do. But Brees makes a new product that we're trying out. That oh, is okay. the exact same thing. So if you want something? Yeah, that's I might. Fine. I might. I might come steal some. <laughs> okay, this weekend. Well, like uh, uh, eight ounces, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, like a couple of handfuls to put in yeah. my pockets. Yeah, you could probably get away with that. Actually, <laughs> you wouldn't even need to club me on the head. Like you were in the malt room tonight. Like you could yep. have just like stolen it, and I wouldn't have noticed. So why why the oats in there? Just uh, for uh, mouthfeel, body mouthfeel, Mouth, body yeah. mouthfeel. Yeah. Okay. I like I like your I like the. The Breeze Two Row is good. I'm a fan, and uh, the the um, Simpsons Golden Promise. Yep, is good. Um, uh, it's one of my favorite malts. Yeah, I just I don't know. I like that one. Yep, tis a good product. Uh, Sounds like there's a butt coming. I'm waiting for there's it. There's a butt, but what's the butt? What's the you butt? already ordered the ingredients? So we're no, that's fine. It there. doesn't matter. Give me the butt. There's a there's a more efficient malt than um, the Simpsons Golden Promise. There's a company that makes a, a a similar product that I that I think is is a more high, better, louder, and okay. What what is this product? Uh, you're gonna fucking punch me in the face. I'm not gonna punch you in the face. No, I don't. Remember. We're trying to I don't, learn. I don't oh yeah, no. Now I'm gonna fucking punch you in the face. <laughs> Oh, hey, yeah, no. So there's this other product that I want to tell you about, but I don't know what it is. Um, Muntins. Oh, Muntins? Yeah, Muntins makes it, I believe. Or Dingamins. I can't, damn, I can't remember. <laughs> I'm going to just keep naming maltsters, and one of them is right. Castle? No, I'm just kidding. We, we can't. It's crisp, we can't, maybe? No, we can't get Castle anymore. No? Yeah, it's actually it's actually Muntins. Okay. Yeah, you know they, which... they make a similar product. I can't for the life of me remember the name of the. Okay. But it just has a better, uh, better, louder, better yield. It's just better. Okay. I don't know why. It just is. No, I, I mean. No, I, I do know why it is. It's a better, louder, and it tastes, tastes better. better. Okay. I would, I'd love to try it. Then if you can never remember what it's called. There's some in the malt room. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Ethan may have used it all today. I can't Damn remember. Damn it, Ethan. I mean, Ethan. <laughs> no, when he's very bad, he's Ethan. Yeah. Damn you for doing your job. Uh-huh. Instead of, like, making me homebrew. <laughs> so what are your hop, like, what's the timing on your hop additions? Uh, yeah, so uh, I went super simple. Um, I'm doing an ounce at 60, an ounce at 30, and an ounce at flame out. Are you doing any dry hopping? Uh, I wasn't going to, but I might. I think you should. Yeah. Maybe I will then. Maybe I'll dry hop. I can do that. I have the ability as a home brewer to make decisions on the fly like that. True. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be great. Uh, mostly because I'm excited to have like a West Coast style thing. And I like Seven Seas. Like, it's a good blend. If you haven't used it, I recommend it. I have used it. Yeah, we had, uh, what was that uh, USA IPA that we used to make four or five something years ago, six, five years ago at uh, Sky that um, we used a lot of seven C's because we had contracted it. There's a, 
from what I understand, and I'm, I'm not sure if this is necessarily true or not, but Seven Seas and Falconer's Flight are two different... Yep, yeah, they're two different blends. Things, yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, made by the same uh, hop. And they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're blended hops, which is different than what you usually get, so. All right. Um, that's kind of all been up to beer-wise. Should we start talking about starters? Yes. All righty, buds. All right, so what is a starter, Brian? Um, starter is when you uh, take a package of yeast... <laughs> That's not what a starter is. Starter doesn't have any yeast in it. Hmm? A starter itself doesn't have any yeast in oh, it. Oh, are you just talking about the wort? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just 1040 wort. All right. Yeah. Is it just wort, though? Well, it's wort, wort and yeast nutrient. Okay. It's, I don't know, without reading, uh, no, without yeah, reading yeah, the that's, notes. No, that's, that's, that's what it is. I don't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was being difficult. Yeah, you were. Because you, you, you wouldn't give me the name of the malt. Oh, really? Well, I might get up in the middle of this and go get a beer and leave you to your own fucking devices. Stop being a Carlos about this whole thing. Oh, God. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> no, it's fine, because if you do that, I'm going to ask you for a beer, too. So, so. Uh, Yeah, well, right. So maybe it'll happen. So a starter is a small volume of, a small volume of wort. Uh, that it, so we're, we're talking about what? If we're on a homebrew scale, uh, we're doing one liter, yep. and we could grow to two liters. Yep. Um, or if you're... If you want to do two and grow to four, it just kind of depends if you're doing a, uh, an ale or a lager, and we'll get it more into that. So, starters a small volume of uh, volume of wort, and in in my little universe, that's ten forty wort mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that yeast use as like the initial step uh, in order to multiply and get themselves ready to ferment a, a batch of beer. Period. Um, starters are most common for smaller batches of beer or homebrew. Um, we don't really make, you know, if you're talking on a, on a, if you listen to the last episode, what, you know, we're talking about more like propagation is a better term for growing. For what you're doing at the commercial. Correct. So a starter is, is wort and yeast nutrient essentially that you're going to add a package of yeast into, um, and stick on a stir plate and try to grow it. So the purpose is to, uh, create a clean, healthy yeast. Uh, and then to ferment it under the best possible conditions. So, and we'll get into what those are in a minute. Yep. Um, but the primary focus here should always be yeast health first, uh, in increasing the cell growth second, uh, because it's better. Like we said last episode, it's better to have the you know the nice healthy yeast colony rather than a large. Uh, colony of of sickly shitty yeast. Yep. You want the people stuck in the mall, not the zombie horde on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> you really thought about this, haven't you? I honestly just came up with that one. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it works. So when should you make a starter, though? Uh, I uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you should make a starter when uh, you're uh, suspect about the viability or vitality of your yeast. Yeah. Uh, like it might be low, or if you're starting with a lesser amount. Like if you are doing a five gallon batch and you only have one smack pack, do a starter. Check the dates on your. Check the dates too. Also, packages. if you're if you're worried, like so, if you go to a shop and you get that smack pack, and you're like, oh yeah, this will be fine, and you smack it, and then nothing happens, mm-hmm. maybe do a starter. 
Maybe. Yeah, definitely. Or <laughs> go back to the homebrew shop. Or we'll go back to the homebrew shop and be like, I smacked this. It's not doing nothing. We're kind of a little on the, on the spoiled side With now. Northern Brewer right there. Right, because I've always been able to just go to, I mean, literally since 2005, yeah. I've always been able to go to Northern Brewer or Midwest Homebrew Supply, which is now also Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer. Yeah. Um, so if you go to a shop and they're not totally on top of the um yeah um and never buy dates. unrefrigerated liquid yeah. yeast liquid yes Un- unrefrigerated dry yeast is probably fine yeah. but i'd still be a little suspect of it roll the dice <laughs> i mean if you want to roll the dice with your beer yeah but we like rolling dice but not with beer i mean we like just rolling dice <laughs> all right so building a starter what you need aluminum foil Dry malt extract or liquid malt extract. Either one's fine. Just some sort of malt extract. Yeah. Yeast nutrients, water, and some sort of vessel to put it in. I was going to say number five would be a flask. A flask, a jug, um, a growler works. A growler would definitely work. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, any sort of PET bottle, like a sanitized uh, two-liter bottle will work. Mm-hmm. Just make sure there aren't scratches in it from if you're like trying to clean it with yep. um, something abrasive. Um, like definitely, like green scratchies are no a no go for yep. pretty much anything in home brewing. Like don't cl- don't even fuck around. Don't clean your kettles with them. Get blue or, or white scratchy pads. All right. Um, so what what we're looking at is we we have a, we have a triangle when we're when we're doing starters. We have a triangle because we like triangles. They make things simple. <laughs> Except when we can't remember what one of the legs of the triangle is. It. All right, but so this is, we're looking at yeast health, yeast growth, and convenience, right? So we're trying to balance those. Because as a home brewer, we want things to be convenient, damn it. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, like, we're doing this in our spare time. We don't have infinite amount of time to uh, to um, to devote to this. So you're you're always going to do one thing at the cost to another. Like, you could do, like, a like you know a bunch of oxygen flow and stuff and get really good yeast growth but then the other two are gonna suffer a little bit just because like you're gonna have overflows and stuff like that and that's inconvenient um so you want your you don't want your starter gravity to be too low or too high uh too low and your yeast won't grow enough too high and you put too much pressure on your yeast so if if you bring that if you bring that uh gravity low your yeast are going to be super healthy um, but your uh, but your growth is going to be low, and the convenience factor is going to be low because you're going to have to keep stepping that up to get where you want. Your yeast is going to be super happy, but it's just going to be very lazy yeast. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, your starter wort should be between 1030 and 1040, which is what we talked about. I, 1040 man, I'm, I'm is... Gonna, I'm going to screech this to a halt and disagree oh, with yeah? that and just go with... Um, you know, your it's your it's your ten. What do we call it? Ten to one ratio. I, I'm saying you always use ten forty wort. Uh, so what we're talking about here is if you're working a ten to one ratio, a one liter starter requires a hundred grams of DMA DME. Yeah. Period. Um. So yeah, one one liter of of uh, uh water, hundred grams of DME. Um. Does that make sense? One liter of, yeah, yeah, because you want 10 to 1. Yeah, so 100, 100 milliliters, or no, no, so 10 milliliters of water to 1 gram of DME. 
which would be 100 grams DME to 1,000. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, one liter or 100. Yep. So if you're doing a one liter starter, gosh, what would we be talking about? If we're doing a two liter starter, we're talking about... That'd be 200 grams. Correct. 200 grams and then a quarter teaspoon of yeast nutrient. And you're boiling it at 15 minutes. Is that farther down the list that I'm not? Oh no, 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 that's that's fine. We're good. Okay. Yeah, that's where that's that's pretty much exactly where we're at right now. Got it. Yep. So you you I mean, if you want to keep keep going down that road, I'm. Yeah, you can also add oxygen at this point um, with an oxygen wand, but the best way to add the oxygen is to stick it on on a stir plate. Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually five different ways to kind of add oxygen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's intermittent shaking. Wait, before we go oh. further, do you remember back here where we said aluminum foil? If, it, if yes. anyone was confused by that, um, but like, you cover your, this is another situation. And like, I pretty much anything you're doing in home brewing, have a, have a, 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 a one gallon bucket or a five gallon bucket with one or two gallons of star sand. I also like to have a spray bottle full of star sand around. A spray bottle of star sand is extremely important too. Uh, I would keep in mind that you don't want to um, you want to change out your star sand. I mean, if you if you're brewing every single day, that's a little bit different. But if you brew like once a week or once every few weeks, change out your sand, yep. sandy. Um, so when we were talking about the aluminum foil, DME, yeast, nutrient, water, and flask, the aluminum foil, it, the purpose of that is. Um, to put loosely over the top of the flask. I mean, we're not, we, we don't, we want it to breathe, but not, you know, not. We don't much. want anything to fall into it. Yeah, we don't want anything to go into it. So that's what the, the aluminum foil is for. And the reason for that is it's easy to, to sanitize something like that. So that's something that is going to need to be like literally floating in the. Um, the star sand while you're working. The star sand while you're working. And so when we're talking about having, you know, adding oxygen, we're talking about intermittent shaking. Um, I'm not sure what this part is. Bottom of 135. Oh, uh, uh, that's the the page. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Anywho, I'm like, is this some cryptic shit I don't know about? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it it's is not. Uh, so intermittent shaking. So you're you were you were saying? Oh yeah, so intermittent shaking. So imagine the flask with some yeah, tin the foil flask, on top. the tin foil, or your PET bottle or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, and then you pick it up and you shake it. Mm-hmm. Um, continuous shaking is like that, but you have a machine shake it for you where I don't know why you would do that instead of, I guess if you're doing a lot of laundry, you could put it on the washer or the dryer or something. Are you Gordon? Are you retrofitting a paint shaker? (laughs) I mean, honestly, maybe that would work. (laughs) Don't give him ideas. Oh Lord. Um, but the most common and most effective is the stir plate. Uh, this is the bread and butter for making a starter. Do the intermittent shaking, uh, but if if you need to, but spend the fifteen twenty bucks and get a stir plate. Uh, you're going to use it constantly, and it's amazing. Um, the bar. So basically, all it is is it's essentially just a fan with a magnet attached to it that spins a magnetic bar, which is inside of the flask. which is inside of the flask, which continuously agitates the uh, the starter. Um, it will, and in it, doing that. It degasses uh, CO2 and pulls in oxygen from around the around the surrounding area. So you're you're constantly pulling in O2 and getting off the CO2, and it keeps the yeast in suspension, which makes it happy. 
Correct. Um, the other thing you can do is put pure oxygen in, which isn't bad, but pure oxygen is kind of expensive. For I mean, if you're running it for 48 hours or 24 hours or what you're whatever you're running your starter for. Honestly, if you're... <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you'd be listening to this show if you knew how to run pure oxygen in, in, <laughs> into a... If you had a setup that was complex, complex enough. enough. Um, and then uh, an air pump would be the other thing, yeah. as long as it has... As long as it's filtered. Because otherwise you're just putting air into the thing. Yeah. Like you want to make sure Un- it's filtered. Filtered air that in floating around in the air is yeast and bacteria. Wild yeah. yeast, bacteria. I mean, which is kind of what we're doing with the stir plate before. It's got tinfoil over it. But it has tinfoil over it. <laughs> Sanitized tinfoil, you guys. I mean, I don't, I, like, now Now I'm rethinking my entire life. Like, <laughs> Are you going to just put some a tinfoil hat yep. on? Yeah, then they sanitize all the air around then me. Then they can't read your mind either, so <laughs> you're probably good. <laughs> all right. Uh, do not add hops to your starter. Is yeah, a that's thing. a no-go. It's, yeah. a, it's not a beer. It's a no, starter. Yeah. Well, and so, like, but... I understand the thought process behind it. Well, because of the microbial properties yeah, of hops. But it's the not bone. the microbial properties of hops. It's the microbial properties of the isomerized alpha acids in the hops that make a difference in the beer. Yeah. Isomerization's a yep. whole. And, but isomerization hinders yeast growth, mm-hmm. which is not what we want in the starter. It's the antithesis of what we're trying to do, exactly. my friend. So no hops. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. No. All right. Um, use all mot. All, all mot. Use all mot. Will you say yep. words now, please? Yep. All mot. <laughs> uh, you should use all malt work for starters. Do not use sugar. Simple sugars. Uh, if you think about it, uh, if, and this is true for beer as it is, and, and it'll, it goes too quickly for uh, what you need for growth. Um, yeast are lazy. They want to eat the most simple sugars possible, but we want to grow a nice, big, healthy colony. And so we, we want... We have to make them work out. Right, we, exactly. So we want to give them longer uh, longer chains to process uh, so that they're nice and healthy and, and grow the way they need to. Um, so simple sugars, uh, they'll cause the yeast to stop making the enzyme that enables them to break down the maltose. So if you think about it, from this standpoint, it's the chopping up of the um, sugar chains into easily digestible pieces for the yeast. Um, and then if you're paying attention to what your pH should be uh, at this point, five is good. Um, you know, the what for mash pHs would five, two to four, six is the sweet yeah. spot. So five sounds about right. Um, and then you want to keep your starter and a, a lot of these temp wise you want to keep your starter from 65 to 75 degrees fahrenheit or 18 to 24 celsius um it's kind of like okay i'm gonna ferment my beer at 68 so then that's a good bracket yeah if you can keep it directly at 68 and you're gonna pitch at 68 cool then then do that um but if you're you know home brewing and you kind of have a ballpark this this works great um too warm so above 75 is going to, um, uh, that'll affect uh, what we call viability, uh, which is different than vitality. Um, and then two arm will also affect the stability uh, or uh, the way it, um, you know, the, the way it grows or moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, 
if it's too cold, um, this is the, you know, the, we'll get in, like, I think we've talked about the difference between lager and ale, but regardless, um, if it's too cold, it means that there, it, the, everything will move more slowly and there will be less. So do you want to keep your lager starters cooler then? I would still keep them, uh, on the low end at 65. Yeah. 65. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can let it sit and cool a little bit, but I would pitch, you know, and it's like it, the the one one liter in nineteen liters or two liter in nineteen liters is pretty negligible. You're yep. not going to get much temp difference. Um, adding, yeah, something like that know. to something that needs to be fifty five. So um, now, if the starter volume is more than five uh, percent of your final wort, uh, you should let the yeast propagate fully. Um, after that, you want to let it completely settle out. Um, you want to decant the yeast and then pitch it. Yeah, be, uh, you want to do that because whatever warts there is going to taste kind of nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also pitch the starter during the growth phase when it's still like actively going, and yeah. then it's not going to taste bad. And you can just toss it in there, and it's going to be fine. Right, which is usually what I do because decanting is a lot of work. And I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah uh, and if you're pitching uh, to restart a stalled fermentation you always want to use like uh, the high croissant or the, the pitching during the growth phase yep. so that yeast is super active and ready to rock and roll when it hits so just keep it within 10 degrees Fahrenheit of, of your pitching temp right um, yeah and then if you're pitching to restart a stalled uh, ferment, uh, use the high croissant method yep. that we've just just kind of discussed. Um, all right. Um, let's talk starter size. Cause this is a whole thing that, um, we kind of talked about a little bit last week with Bjorn's mm-hmm. question. Uh, and so this, this is, this is where we're going to get into that. So what we're talking about here is we're talking about yield factor is what we really need. Like it, it's kind of the big number that we're worried about. Um, so it's not the size of the starter that's important, but the number of cells in relation to the volume. Too low and you're just fermenting beer, you're not making a starter. Too high and you're not going to get enough growth because it just doesn't have enough stuff to eat, right? So um, the yield factor was developed by Ola, uh, Olau, Olau Nielsen. Honestly, not it was in the 90s. It wasn't too long ago. <laughs> I was looking at a different thing, and I'm usually the one that tells you how to pronounce shit. Yeah. But that sounds fine to me. Okay. Um, so uh, yield factor is a measure of cell growth versus the amount of extract or sugars consumed. So the formula is yield factor is equal to uh, the millions per milliliter of cells in the final minus the millions uh, per milliliter cells in the initial pitch uh, divided by the gravity decrease in Play-Doh. So you do have to do a little conversion from specific gravity to Play-Doh here, but this is going to give you a yield factor number. Right. So if you are inoculating a one liter starter with 100 billion cells, um, that's 100 million per mil. Yep. And then if I'm not mistaken, you get, what, 200 billion cells per package of yeast? I think it's 100 billion. Is that right? Okay. All right. So then follow the math so if you inoculate a one liter starter with 100 billion cells that's 100 million per mil uh so if that starter grows to 152 billion cells you have 152 million per milliliter at the end 
Um, and so if you're starting with nine uh, degrees Play-Doh wort and ending with two degrees Play-Doh of sugar after the starter is finished, um, that means the yeast used, a, you know, do the math. That means seven the yeast Play-Doh. used seven Play-Doh of sugar. So your yield factor is going to be 152 minus 100 divided by seven. And that equals 7.4. Woo, 7.4, which is kind of what, kind of what you're looking for. Uh, oh, yeah, I have that. I was looking for the chart. There's the chart. There's a chart. Yeah, the chart on the next page is kind of really interesting. So a standard homebrew pack uh, packet of yeast is about 100 billion cells, like we just said. So to get the best yield factor, um, they they did the math for us. I'm looking at this Is chart that the here. chart you're looking at? Yep. Okay. I was going to say, because there's a chart later. There's, that there's a lot of charts. I've used this chart more times than I can count. Oh, really? On all my f- hands and fingers and toes. Cause For your uh, your starter volumes? Yeah. You remember that I've had to grow um, yeah. six smack packs into, into 15 barrels. So it's, yeah. And you were sitting watching TV and just rocking. Mm-hmm. Rocking carboys of yeast. Two, two 15-gallon demijohns. All right. No, so uh, they, they, did a, they did a nice uh, thing, and it really shows um, the leader thing. But basically what it boils down to is if you want the best yield um, from, a, from a smack pack or a vial or, I guess, packet now, um, you want your starter size to be anywhere between one and two liters. Um, that's going to give you between 7.4 and 7.6. And anything bigger than that, you're going to see diminishing returns. Yeah. Anything smaller than that, you're not going to get what you're looking for. Um, and then I just I want to mention this delightful product that Northern Brewer came out with that makes me so happy. What is the deal with the can? Oh, I, I, I probably dented it. No, there's it's... Oh, you're looking oh, at the labeling? Oh, it's the printing on the can. Yep. Oh, that's a, oh, that's a printing mistake. Anyway. All right. Um, yeah. No. So uh, it is called Fast Pitch, right? Fast Pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Fast Pitch from Northern Brewer. It's canned wort. Uh, that's yeah, it's a cool picture. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, basically, um, if you add that and another can of water to your uh, to your thing, it gives you um, basically a perfect size for a starter. Yeah. This is like it's like a sixteen ounce can. Of, yep. uh, is what we're looking at. But I would uh, give a. Like a stud spray, spray. Oh yeah, yeah. You definitely the, give it, give it a dunk in the sani. Top, yeah. Dunk that in the sani. Spray the top. Dunk it in the sani. But yeah, basically, you? it's it's malt extract, sugar, and yeast nutrient. Yep. All ready to go. Um, and it's, I mean, it's not the cheapest thing, but if you're short on time or don't want to deal with making your own starter, I highly recommend this. Yeah, they did not have that when I was. Yeah, no, it's. I think it's only like a couple years old. Like, because I just started using it in the ye- past year. Yeast in a can, and it ended up being. I think they tried using yeast in a can. Was it imp- Imperial Organic, and then yeah, something like that. But the starter thing is delightful. Um, yeah. Uh, is there anything you would like to talk about starters? No, man, that's pretty good. All right. Uh, do we want to do a listener mail? Is there one on here? Uh, we uh, the one from the last one. Oh yeah, we could do that. All right, let me pull that up here. Oh, that's in yeast propagation. There we go. Do-do-do. Andy Thompson, Black Belt patron, all up in the messages. All up, uh, did I miss another message? I yeah, did. I don't worry about it. It's not in the chat. Okay. All righty. Um, yeah, listener mail. This is from Bjorn. Um, after I sent you the uh, pastry stout question, uh, you might want to pull up uh, his thing. He sent the recipe, if you're curious about that. 
Um, I got inspired to brew, or after I sent you the pastry stout question, I got inspired to brew you a pa- brew a pastry stout. Took some of your advice and changed what I originally decided. Um, it was a peanut butter chocolate vanilla pastry stout. The chocolate overpowered the other flavors, but it is one of the better chocolate pastry stouts I've had. But the actual question. Have you ever deliberately brewed a beer with fermentable sugars beyond the yeast alcohol tolerance level? This pastry stout uh, did, and it really worked well with the sweetness from the unfermented sugars. I also added lactose, uh, being unsure of how the unfermented sugars would present themselves. Uh, Do I risk autolysis or any other problems doing this? Higher gravity than when the yeast can ferment out. I don't believe that you're going to risk autolysis, uh, especially at the homebrew level. There's not enough uh, hydrostatic pressure to crush and i mean yeah your autolysis is more to do with um yeah like if you've got a tank that's too tall for its own good yep or um if you have a yeast that can't hand handle high alcohol beers then then you're looking at and 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 what what we'd mean by autolysis is uh yeast death yep um yeah so if anything you're like you- no it's it's just going to be sweeter and heavier bodied and yep. frankly like you're i i mean i based on this i'm i'm not sure if bjorn if you understand that lactose is unfermentable uh, he does. He does. Okay, good. Because he he added that because he wasn't sure if the leftover sugars were going to oh, be. Oh, I see. I see. Yep. I added lactose. I'm sure the blah blah blah. Yeah, got it. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Um. Yeah. I don't think you're going to really run into any other problems except the fact that it's going to be sweeter than you intended. Yeah. But if you're fine with that, then. And um, honestly, that might be why the chocolate kind of poked out a little more. Um, and vanilla because it wasn't able to dry out. Well, I mean, it, the I just feel like the chocolate is chocolate and vanilla are gonna pop up more than peanut butter because it'll push the uh, and vanilla is a big part of the chocolate mm-hmm. taste. So I think with the overabundance of um, let's see, unfermented sugars, I think that's what probably blasted the chocolate into the stratosphere. Okay. Um, Peanut butter will probably is probably more accentuated with a, like a like a salt. Yeah. Well, and that peanut butter flavor is so hard to get out, like to get to come yeah. out, it's especially if you're using PB two. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we we've talked about this when I was bringing the wedding beer. I recommend using the brewer's best extract. Yeah, that's about the best. I I know uh I know of a I won't out who it is, but I know of a commercial brewery that uses the brewer's best on their their top selling beer is a peanut butter. Uh, we've already outed them, I believe. On the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe people will remember. Who knows? But. Right. Um, but yeah. So if if you really want to bring that up, I highly recommend using the extract to I mean, pull the peanut butter up. Adding sea salt. Think think about this. Go if you're if you're doubting what I'm having to say about bringing peanut butter out, buy a chocolate bar that has sea salt. Oh yeah, yeah. Then eat it and see with the way the cocoa works. No, just a little bit of salt really pulls things out. Yeah, it'll it changes the way things work a ton. So I think that you know, I mean, adding the lactose that was a fine idea, but I think that's probably what, like, like I said, what jammed your chocolate into the stratosphere. But it is one person's opinion. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, should we get out of here and y'all?
get ready for a third. We've never done a third. I mean, we have, but it's dude, been a we've while. done four, but they were other not. Well, um, yeah, yeah. Like you're right. <laughs> you're right. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and just email it. Feedback at Blind News Studios or follow uh, us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blind News Studios or follow us on Twitter at Blind Ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.